Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Whisper Test, Mary Ann Bird writes this, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate and when I started school my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked me what happened to your lip, I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one could love me outside my family. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom we all adored, Mrs. Leonard by name. She was short, round, and happy, a sparkling lady. Annually, we would have a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class, and then it came to be my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something and we would have to repeat it back. Simple things like, the sky is blue or do you have new shoes? I waited there for those words that God must have put into her mouth, those seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. Do you hear the words of Christ this Christmas? His coming to this world to save sinners tells every single person, I wish you were mine. I wish you were my child. I wish you were in my family. Christ has done everything to make that possible through His finished work, but we have the responsibility to respond, and we must make the personal decision, the trust that Christ paid for all my sins at the cross, that He died for me and rose again. In that moment of placing our faith alone in Christ's finished work, we become God's, and we belong to Him, and we belong to Him forever. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18 is the Apostle John's account of the Christmas story. But in his account, you find no Joseph, no Mary, no Bethlehem, no manger, stable, or shepherds, no star, no angels, and no baby. But this is not any less the story. Because Christmas is not just about the Savior's birth, it is about his deity. The Word became flesh is the most profound truth of all truth. Why we celebrate Christmas is not because of the physical features of a stable and a manger, a star, a young couple and shepherds and angels. They are all part of the historical circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ. But the real story is that the Word became flesh, that God was born into the world, that the infinite, transcendent, eternal God of the universe became a human being. That is the true message at Christmas. We sing about Emmanuel this time of year, which means God with us. 
And that is the essential truth of the gospel in our salvation. And it is essential because it is the only truth that can save a sinner from everlasting hell. Because only God could satisfy God's justice and judgment against our sins, which Christ as God and man did for us at the cross. Why is Christ called the Word here? Why not say, in the beginning was the Lord Jesus Christ? And the reason is that it's like with everything in God's Word, because God wants to teach us something. And He wants to teach us something here about His Son. The Word of the Lord is a very familiar phrase in Scripture. If you read the Old Testament, you read it time and time again, that the Word of the Lord came, or and the Word of the Lord came to so-and-so. The Word of the Lord came at that time, and when it did, it was God revealing Himself, revealing His person, nature, will, wisdom, and truth. The Word of the Lord was the revelation of the personal, true, and living God. John is saying that the Word, the revelation of God, is now incarnate. It has taken on flesh. The full expression of God's person, nature, will, wisdom, and truth is embodied. The Word here is not an impersonal power. The Word is not some kind of a principle of reason. The Word is a person. John is saying the Word is a person and He became a man. That the personal God came into the world and took on flesh. And the Word reveals God to us. When Christ, who is the Word of God, speaks in Scripture, whether it's in the Old Testament where He speaks, whether it's in the Gospels, or the book of Acts, or Paul's epistles, or the Hebrew epistles. When Christ, the Word of God, speaks, you are hearing from God. It is God speaking. And when He came to this world, God was fully manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. As the Lord told Philip in John 14, verse 9, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Now our words reveal to others our hearts and our minds. And so Jesus Christ is God's Word to reveal God's heart and God's mind to mankind. Christ is the heart of God revealed. God has fully expressed Himself to mankind in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. By coming into the world, Christ has perfectly revealed God to us. By dying for our sins on the cross, Christ has revealed how much God cares and loves each of us. Christ is the Word, the revelation of God to man. And He is because He is fully God Himself, which these verses clearly demonstrate. John says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning of the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1. In the original beginning, when other than God, everything that exists came into existence, the Word was. Christ was already in existence when everything that exists came into existence. In the beginning, when everything was created, the Word already was. The Word is not a created being. He existed before everything was created. Since time began with creation, whoever exists before time exists eternally. And John says that at, at that point, when the beginning began, Christ already was. He pre-existed. Scripture does not say in the beginning the Word came into existence. Instead, it's in the beginning was the Word. 
In the beginning, the Word was already existing. There was never a point when the Word came into existence. When time began, the Word was. The Word existed in the beginning. He pre-existed time, pre-existed the creation. He did not have a beginning. He did not begin to be. He has always been. He existed before Bethlehem. He existed before the creation. The Word is eternal. Since Christ is pre-existent, then He is not part of the creation. Since He is pre-existent, He is outside the creation and He is before time. And since He is outside the creation and before time, He is eternal. And since He is eternal, Jesus Christ is 100% God. A.W. Tozer wrote this, The mind looks backward in time until the dim past vanishes, then turns and looks into the future till thought and imagination collapse from exhaustion. And God is at both points, unaffected by either. Time marks the beginning of created existence. And because God never began to exist, it can have no application to Him. Began is a time word and can have no personal meaning for the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. Not only does John speak of the pre-existence of Christ here, he speaks of the coexistence of Christ. Verse 1 says that the Word was with God. In verse 2, he repeats it. The same was in the beginning with God. When the beginning began, Christ was already existing with God. So we learn that the Word is not a lesser God, and He is not God's competitor. The Word was with God speaks to us how He is a distinct member of the Godhead. He is distinct from God as God, and He is with God. Being with God teaches that He is equal with God. He is one with God. And that he is pre-existent and co-existent with God. He is with God as a separate person and is fully God himself. That word with, when it says the word was with God, literally means face to face with God. In intelligent personal communion. The word was in perfect fellowship with God from eternity past. The word is on a level of equality. Not under God. Not looking up to him. Not above And looking down to Him, not to the side, having no fellowship, but face to face with the living God as living God Himself. In John 10.30, our Lord said, I and my Father are one. They are one and equal from eternity. In John 17.5, Christ prayed, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. The Word is eternal. And in eternity past, He existed in perfect, personal, equal communion with God. And then not only was He with God, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It couldn't be put more clearly. He is both with God and He is God. And that's the mystery of the Trinity. He is distinct from the Father, And He is fully God as the Father is fully God. He is as much God as God is God. And it says He was God. because It says was because this is in reference to in the beginning. And before time, from eternity past, He was God. He exists eternally forever as God. He was God. He is God. And He will forever be God. And importantly, becoming a man 
taking on flesh did not change that fact. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. So when you think about the Christmas story, this is what is at the heart of it that the one who pre-existed, who was eternally with God as God before anything existed, the one who came into the world is God Himself. And He came to this world for you and for me. He came to take on flesh and He was born to die, to die the death of the cross in order to save us from our sins. And He did that because we cannot save ourselves. We all need the Savior. An ill-prepared college student once took an exam just before Christmas vacation. He wasn't ready for the exam, so he just wrote on his paper, Only God knows the answers to these questions. Merry Christmas. The professor wrote on his paper, and when the student got it back, he saw that it read, God gets a hundred, you get zero. Christmas is that way for a lot of people. God gets a hundred, they get zero. The simple question, the simple test is, who is Christ? And people can't answer it clearly, definitively, or with conviction, and they stumble all over themselves. For nearly 2,000 years, debates have been raging about who Christ really is, and cults and skeptics have offered various explanations. They'll say, He's one of many gods, or he's a created being, or a high angel, or a good teacher, or just a good example, or a prophet, and so on. The common thread of all false beliefs about Christ is that they make him less than God. God knows the answer to the question about who Christ is, and he has clearly revealed the answer in his word. So we can know without a shadow of a doubt who he is. Who is Christ? Easy question. Christ is 100% God. And God's Word tells us that salvation is completely in Him because Christ, as God, is fully able to pay for and take all our sins away. Many people believe in the manger. Lots of people believe in the shepherds, the wise men, the star, and the angels. Lots of people believe in the nice sentiments regarding a baby being born. But the real question is, do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in the Christ that is revealed in Scripture? Do you believe in the reason that He came to save you from your sins? Do you believe in Him savingly as your Redeemer, your only hope of salvation, believing that He died for your sins personally and rose again? That's the real question at Christmas. 
John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The great proof in demonstrating that the Word is God is that the Word created all things. The Word is not the object of creation. He is the uncreated one. He was not created. Rather, the Word is the creator of all things. He exists before, outside, and above all His creation. Jesus Christ is greater than all that He has made. All the creation, individually and collectively, with all of its details, its complexities, it all owes its origin to the creative mind, wisdom, and power of Almighty God, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. John puts his creative work positively. All things were made by him. And then negatively, without him was not anything made that was made. John says he created all things. If a thing was made, Christ made it. And then John slams the door on all doubt that there is no possible exception. There is not a single thing which was not made by him. And he made all things, taking in the entire universe from the unlimited and massive expanse of space and all things contained therein to the entire earth and all of its beauty, wonder, and design. As Creator, the Word is Lord and Master over it all. All things are under His command. He has supremacy over all creation and He sustains it all by His almighty power. Now stop and think about that. Think about how immense the universe is, how huge the stars are. And depending on the star, how millions of Earth can fit into them, or another star, billions of Earth can fit into just one star. And there is no number for how many there are. And then there's trillions and trillions and trillions of miles that separate one star from another star, and one planet from another planet. And then think of the great power and energy revealed in all of these things. And then think of how the Word, God the Son, is greater and bigger than all He has made. And then think how He humbly came to this world, willingly, took on human form and became a tiny baby for the express purpose that He might grow to be a man, live a sinless life, that He might then go to the cross and die on the cross for you and for me and for our sins. And our minds should want to explode. And it should also cause us to just thank Him and praise Him from our hearts that He did this because He loved me that much. John 1 verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we have seen through these verses that the Word did not become a person as a baby in Bethlehem. When Christ was born as a baby in the manger at Bethlehem, He had always existed as the Son of God with God the Father in heaven. But now, out of infinite love and infinite grace, He chose to become a baby, to come into the world and take on flesh for us. God became man. The powerful creator God that was the cause of everything took on human flesh. And so when you look at the manger by faith, you see something so staggering. You see the all-transcendent, 
all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-holy, all-glorious God, born as a small, dependent human baby. And without forsaking His divine nature or diminishing His deity, He was born into the world as a tiny infant. The Incarnation was the event when God took on the fullness of humanity while remaining fully God. And notice how this verse was worded, verse 14. The Word was made flesh. He became flesh. The way it's put assumes pre-existence. He didn't come into being. He just came to be flesh. He was made flesh. And when He came to be flesh, He didn't cease to be what He was. Verses 1 and 2 show. The Lord Jesus Christ is God and man together in indivisible oneness in one person. Charles Wesley's great hymn and Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he put it so well, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. In Colossians 2.9, our Apostle Paul says of Christ, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ is complete deity. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him before He took on flesh. All the fullness dwelt in Him at His incarnation and in His earthly ministry to Israel and in Him in His risen, glorified body now and forever dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily eternally. And that is what Christmas is about and what we remember this time of year that God Fully God became man, fully man, while remaining fully God. And He came to this world to be the sinner's Savior. And He dwelt among us, it says, verse 14. Uh, That word dwelt means to pitch a tent, to put up your tent. The Word put up His tent with mankind. Isaiah 40, verse 22, teaches that God created the vast universe as a tent to dwell in, demonstrating the kind of space necessary for him to dwell in it as a tent. Here we learn that God pitched his tent here on earth to dwell in human flesh. The Word was made flesh by the miracle of the virgin birth and being conceived by the Holy Spirit. By this, he had a sinless human nature. Christ was born sinless and he lived a sinless, perfect human life. And so at the cross, The Savior was an empty vessel. He had no sins of His own to die for. And God poured all our sins onto Him as He was made sin for us and paid the penalty for all our sins. And then comes the testimony of John in verse 14. And he says that he had personally beheld His glory. John says when the Word was made flesh, they saw the glory of God. John testifies that he saw this glory himself, witnessing the glory and majesty of God in the life of Christ. Divine majesty and glory filled the Lord. It was veiled in flesh, but it showed through in his earthly ministry. And John says that they saw his glory, and they saw it in his deeds. They saw it in his miracles. They saw it in his words. He and the other disciples beheld the glory of an absolutely perfect life lived on this earth. And they saw God's glory in Christ's death and His glorious resurrection from the dead. And as He dwelt among us, 
John says he was full of grace and truth. Christ didn't reveal some truth or partial grace. He was full of truth, full of grace. As the Word, the revelation of God, he reveals only truth. He reveals God's truth. And when he spoke and taught, he revealed the truth for the nation of Israel's program with God during his earthly ministry. And in his coming to the world, humbly take on flesh and become poor for us, coming to die for us and save us, you see full, magnificent, infinite, and amazing grace. The child born in Bethlehem that we remember at Christmas is none other than the living, eternal, sovereign God who is over all. In Him, the Word, Christ reveals God to us and the unknowable becomes knowable, the invisible becomes visible, the transcendent becomes close, and the unreachable becomes embraceable. And that is the Christmas story according to John. Michael Card said this, All we could ever imagine could ever hope for, He is. That is what Christmas means, to find in a place where you would least expect to find anything you want, everything you could ever want. John 15.22 says, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. In the first part of this verse, we are invited to consider a possibility. And Christ said, if I had not come. What if Christ had not come to earth? What if he had not been born in Bethlehem? What if he had not come to die on the cross and rise again? Where would we be? If Christ had not come, the promises of God would be unfulfilled. If Christ had not come, there would be no way to God. If Christ had not come, there would be no gospel to believe. If Christ had not come, there would be no hope beyond the grave. If Christ had not come, we would all be on our way to the lake of fire because there would be no Savior for sin. If Christ had not come, there would be no Christmas. If Christ had not come, there would be no church. There would be no need for us to gather to worship in a church building each Sunday. If Christ had not come, if there was no birth of Christ, there would be no hope. The thought of this possibility reminds us how thankful we should be that He did come and brought bright hope by His coming in His finished work. It's been rightly said that without Christ, there is a hopeless end. But with Christ, there is endless hope. Christ said, if I had not come, but He did come. And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, Galatians 4, 4 says, We should praise God at this time of year as we remember that He did come and be thankful for the significance of the word spoken the night Christ was born. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. From all of us here at Breen Bible Society, we wish you and yours a joyous and Merry Christmas in the Lord. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society 
is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.